0: It's a real honor for us. We weren't planning on being in the United States, but uh, we had a wedding and stuff to come to. So I talked to James, and James said, hey, I'm doing the main service. Can you take mine? And I said, sure, I'd love to. So anyway, welcome, everybody. Y'all come on in and find a chair. Um, We're going to jump right in this and start. Um, I'd like to say something that is based on... Years and years of observation. I have preached to people in little huts. I've preached in parks. I've preached under the rain in stadiums. I've preached in churches across America. Places under trees. I've preached to one. I've preached to hundreds. I've preached to thousands. But I have yet to preach to any group that did not hunger and thirst for the Word of God and be able to minister to them. Ministry is not so much the man in the pulpit as it is those that are listening, those that have come to hear. I could preach Jesus. Jesus said He couldn't do many miracles where He was from because they knew Him. He was Joseph's son. So they just, in their hearts, they weren't open. They weren't ready. They weren't pulling the anointing out of Him. It wasn't that Jesus lacked anything. It was the listeners, the hearers. It was the body that did not hunger, did not want to be challenged or or to be fed or to be nourished by what he was going to say. All through the Bible, and make a mental note of this all through the Bible, when it talks about the Word of God, you know, just all through the Bible. Whenever you see that capitalized, it's talking about the Scripture, right? When it's not capitalized, it's talking about like the rhema, which is like a message. Like uh, if I come out and I say, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this. I just gave you a word. I just gave you a, uh, an instruction. I just gave you, I spoke to you something that pertains to you. That's the word. And many times, most of the time in the Bible, in the New Testament, when it says the Word of God, came with power, or they preached the Word of God, it's not talking about just the, 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 the Logos, just the written Word. It's talking about the, the Word that's alive, the Word that He is speaking right now, right here, to your heart. So I say all that to say, this morning, let us ask God. Let us ask God to speak to our hearts. Let us stir up in our hearts a hunger. Let us believe God that today our whole life might be changed. Our entire destiny can be changed right now if God speaks to my heart. And if we hunger, that is so important. I myself have gotten revelations in different times and seeking God and studying the Word. And I've gotten revelations taking a shower and eating pizza. (laughs) But I tell you what, when God speaks, you know it. You know it, and it changes your life. He speaks, and it's, you know, I was, I was going on a plane somewhere with a group of people, and, and uh, I pulled out the barf bag right out of the pocket in front of me, and borrowed a pencil, and I wrote down what God was speaking to my heart right there. And it was to the pastor this big old huge church. And I said, there is somebody in your congregation that is a sheep in wolves' clothes. And God is, is wanting me to tell you this because He wants you to make a notice that He's a sheep. He's not a wolf. He's a sheep. But He's been distorted. He's been confused. The enemy has changed His perspective and He's devouring your, your leadership. And at first, the pastor said, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, I know who you're talking about. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I said, it says, He's a sheep. And the word of God is to see him restored. Go to him with humility and love. And you know that man uh, is now living and has lived for like five years in Africa, full-time minister, preaching the gospel all through Africa. But he he was restored. He said he he was going to cut his head off and his head was going to roll when he misunderstood the revelation. And then I said, no, no, no. No, he's not a wolf. He's a sheep. So anyway... So, but now, then he saw him restored. It's unbelievable story. But anyway, I said, let's pray. Let's ask God right now. God speak, speak through what I'm going to share. Speak through what James is going to share. Speak through what each one of you are going to share with each other. What you're going to feel. And what I might share up here that God would use it to 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 ignite your hearts. Father, we just love you. We thank you for your word not just the, the Bible, not just the Scripture, but we thank You, God, for Your Word to my heart, Your Word to these people's hearts. God, I pray with all my heart that You speak to their hearts, that You, that you give all of us, Father, hunger and thirst, that we would desire You above all else, that we would desire Your presence in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Matthew 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 17, is talks, you know the part where Jesus says, whom, whom do they say that I am? And some say this, some say that. and Then he asks, he, he singles out the fisherman, the old rough-handed, you know, tough guy. He sings out, singles out Peter and he says, Peter, whom, who do you say that I am? And he says, Thou art the Son of God, the Christ you know. And then Jesus pronounces over him, he says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. My Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is so powerful. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is so powerful that he spoke, he spoke, uh, he pronounced over Peter a truth. He, he, he prophesied over the body that was just beginning. The church of Jesus Christ, the, the church of the believers, would walk. And live by revelation. And that they would literally have the king, the keys of the kingdom. And they would bind on earth and they would loose on earth. And it goes on to say that the devil that hell itself will not prevail against the body, against his movement, against his church. You see in here that there's power. You see in here that there's not only power that comes from above, power from the Father, but you see that there's an enemy. You see that there's a raging force that comes against the kingdom of God. There's, there's The devil wants more than anything to captivate, to enslave, to, to put in bondage people that are made in the image of God. People that are potential, potential temples. We are the temple of God. His disciples are walking along and, and, and they go, "What, well, Jesus, look at that. Isn't that incredible? Look at that building. And Jesus says, I say unto you, in three days I'll tear it down and I'll raise it up again. And we are the temple of God. God does not want to live in a big building. God does not want to live afar. God has done all that He's done so that he, He's fashioned us. To be a host. To be a temple that God himself would live in us. And, and the, angels from, the angels marvel at man. That what are we that God would be mindful of us. He made us his, his temple. And then he's given us power. And he's given us authority. He's given us his commission. He's given us his Holy Spirit to unlock and to lock. To bind and to set free. And he set us in a world. That we are a part of, that we all are victims of, that we have been tortured and tormented, and, and we've taken years to get over the abuses or the or the the things that have happened to us, the, the sadness, the trials, the the, uh, the 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 addictions, the divorce, the the problems, the just the world that is. We're in a world that's just. Decaying and falling apart, it's being bound and imprisoned by an enemy. But yet, God has reached out into humanity and He has chosen us. He's saved us. He's delivered us. And now He's commissioned us to unlock, to restore, to set free, to speak the word of life in a dark, lost world. What a privilege. What is man that God would be mindful of us? What are we that God would reside in our hearts? I was talking, I was looking online and and it says that the earth spins at a thousand miles an hour. It it rotates a thousand miles an hour and it's in a solar system of 200 billion solar systems. In one galaxy of multi-millions and millions and millions of galaxies. It's flying through through space in orbit around the sun. at 67,000 miles an hour in flight, spinning around the sun and in the universe. It's moving at 367,000 miles an hour in the universe. And we're not running into anything. and We're not going in black holes. And, and we're just, we should all be holding on to the chair. Oh my God! Hold on! There's no telling what might happen. And yet, God on the outside of that looks down and He sets us, His precious eternal treasures, on a little rock spinning, flying. What is man that He has chosen us? He's given us the Word of God to speak, He's given us, uh, He's commissioned us as ambassadors. And He's given us the word of life. And He sent us out into the darkness. And He will speak through you. The power and the, and the incentive and the motivation of all of it can best be defined in one word. God is love. God is love. And sometimes in spite of all that's happening in the universe, all the galaxies, all the solar systems and plants, in spite of all of that, somehow we're so caught up in our lives that we think everything is spinning around us. And we're like, everything. We're the center of the universe. And it's how I feel about it and how it affects me. And, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't talk to me like that. And I don't have to suffer that. And, you know, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't want to put myself out there like that. You know, it's just... And sometimes we forget that... God did all of this in of His compassion and love for humanity. And that every single day that we wake up, there's everybody around us. They put on their their face and they put on their smile and they dress up and they hit the, the doors and they're just surviving. They're just barely surviving. They're holding on. Sometimes they're losing grip. And we just go right past them. And we don't allow the Holy Spirit to to reach out and hold on to them. Peter is a good example. Peter, he, at the Lord's Supper, he even told Peter, you know, look, dude, you know, come here. I know you're tough and all that and you're, but you're going to fail. You're going to miss out. You're going to lose it. You're going to miserably fail. No, I'm not. I'll die before I deny you. Peter, you're not. <laughs> You're not, man. Yes, I will. And he he made a good tr- attempt. I mean, I, he literally. He's the only one that took a knife and cut off that ear of that soldier. You know, he attacked. attack. You know, I can see him. <laughs> Jesus probably caught him by the cuff, pulled him back. He says, No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Pick the ear up, put it back on. Wait a minute. That's not how we're gonna handle this. <laughs> And then when he saw the enemy and he saw the vengeance, the the wrath and the anger and the violence, he started denying Christ. He felt like a miserable failure. You know, he's the type of personality that's bam, bam, bam. He's like, I'm like that. Bam, bam, bam. I'm like bouncing off everything. And that's how Peter was. Peter, when after he died and he was in the tomb, they came to the, the, the women came to him saying, hey, Jesus is not in the tomb. They all just broke open in a dead run to the tomb. But it says that the other brother, I think it's John and whoever got there first. Peter was probably, I don't know, maybe slow, maybe, I don't know. But he got there later. But the others stopped at the door of the, of, the, of the cave. Peter didn't even flinch. He ran right through them, right in with no fear. And there's something to be said about someone that has failed so miserably to their Lord and Savior, to their Master. And yet, at the first opportunity, the first thought, to be able to run right into the arms of the person that he denied, the person that he failed. And truly, the New Testament, the New Covenant says, Therefore, when you stumble, come boldly before my throne in your time of need, to receive mercy. There's something in Christ that we don't even have to think about it. We just are prone to run to God when we fail. I can see Jesus nailed to the cross, beaten, persecuted, hanging on the cross with nails pinned Him to the cross. And the sinner next to Him mocking Him. Oh, so you're God? So come on down and save us then and the other the other thief lean, looks at him and says don't you have any sense at all this man hasn't done anything we're, th- we're justly being persecuted we're so you know we're reaping this cuz we're we're wicked he isn't and then he turns to Christ and he says he says remember me in your glory and Jesus says today you'll be with me in paradise the only thing I submit to you the only thing that kept Jesus from wrapping his arms of love around that thief, around that sinner, was not the nails. It was the tenacity to succeed and offering himself up as a sacrifice for the entire world. But if he didn't have the agenda, he would have wrapped that guy up and loved on him and saved him and washed him and delivered him and commissioned him and emboldened him and empowered him. You see, Christ did die for us, but it's for the purpose of God. Humanity is still dying. Humanity is still suffering. Humanity is still going to hell for eternity. But yet he saved us with the hopes of an inheritance. God's inheritance is in us you say, what can we give God? What we can give God is our time, our hearts, our lives, so that He can reap an inheritance among the nations. He can reap the souls of men that are falling into hell. There's a story in the book of Hosea. Don't turn to it. It's, you know the story of Hosea and Gomer? You know that story? She's a prostitute. She's just like. And God says, go take her as your wife. So He takes her. He starts, you know, counseling her and gets her kinda of cleaned up, kinda of pointed, starts having children. He's doing all right. And she gets wayward and she gets worse and worse. She wants to revert back to being a prostitute and going into sin. And she does. And then the Spirit of God says again to him, Go find her. Go go seek her out. And you see he goes and he's seeking amongst her lovers. he's looking for his wife and he finally finds her on the slave block to be sold and he buys her back and he takes her home that's where we are that's where the world is we have to be willing to go to the world find her wrap our arms around her and bring her back. We have to be willing to lay down our lives to give of ourselves to be expended for the kingdom. Uh, We are God's plan A and He has no plan B. And may I say that the world has only one hope. And that hope is us if we won't wrap our arms around them we're not allowing Christ to love them if we won't go we're not allowing Christ to go into their lives we have to be willing to embrace this and i say that to say how how can i love I'm not given to love. I'm not given to, to be uh, selfless. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I don't want to love. There's times, i tell you, in the, in the mission field, there's times, I mean, when we open our, when we close our doors at night, all the little natives are outside the windows. And they're there from daylight to dark and they're standing in line to, to be, help. they need help, they need feeding, they need everything, schools and clinics and programs, and then they line up, and their husbands are having issues that Rocky talks to them about. And I mean, it's just constant. It's from from the time when we op- when we close the windows. It's good night. We'll see y'all tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> and we go to bed. When we get up in the morning, we go there real quietly, and we open that window. <laughs> hey, good morning. How y'all doing today? <laughs> <laughs> But there's times when I'm sitting behind the wall, just a little portion like a two-foot wall. I'm sitting on my couch with my my cup of coffee. I make it before I open the window in the dark because I want a cup of coffee. And I'm sitting there hiding. I can see him. I can hear him mumbling over there. Is he up yet? Are they out of bed yet? Where are they? And I'm like, no, I don't want to see you. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. But you know what? Every single day, every single day, we get the opportunity (laughs) to be there. Just to be there. Um, We're building this building. Ron and I started this building. We got, literally, Ron, we got the picks and shovels out of the truck to start a building on a big lot. Our whole crew walked off. And him and I (laughs) got the picks and shovels out. And we started building this. We had five thousand dollars. And we're building a school in civilization so that all the kids that we've trained that we brought up through first all the way through sixth grade, now they're down now we're gonna take them down to civilization because they're so jungle, they're like natives. I mean you can take a native out of the jungle, but man, the jungle is in the native and it's part of him, it's genetic. And it's you know, it's like they don't have a chance in the world of ever getting ahead. Ever. So we thought Rocky had this great plan. You know, it's like playing football. You get it to the 50-yard line, then you, then you can't just hand them the, the other team the ball and say, okay, it's your turn. Now you run back to the 20, and then you give me the ball. No, you got to take it in for a touchdown. She said, we got to build a school and bring the kids down. We've got to clean them up. We've got to put them in high school and, and college. And, and, you know, we need a house. We need to build something. So we're building this big old house. And now we have all these kids down there. And it's for them... You know, these kids, they make their clothes with needles and, and stuff. So they look like they're from the jungles. They, when the kids, we say, how did class go today? You know, they're real intimidated. They're down there with the civilized people. and They all have cell phones and everything. And our kids are in there like, you know, and they're sitting in there. And, and, and from the outside, it looks similar. But as soon as the teacher, this is what the kids tell us. As soon as the teacher calls on us to read, and we start reading, Everybody in the class looks at us and laughs at us. Everybody makes fun of us. And we started noticing, look, they're they're clothes. We got to get them. So we take them all shopping. You think it's hard taking your three kids? I'll take 25 kids to the store. to Completely clothe them. And, you know, this one girl that was going to graduate from her class, and, and they don't know how to talk. They don't know how. They're not thankful. They're not grateful. They're like, you know, they're like natives, you know. And this one girl says, I need shoes, Rocky. Rocky, You know, Rocky, I need shoes for graduation. I can't wear these. And, oh, Rocky, like, we spent so much money. We don't have any more money for shoes. Why <laughs> you you not need shoes? Wear the ones you got. No, she says, I can't wear those. These are like the normal school shoes. I, I, it's graduation. and So Rocky, you know, finally said, okay, Lord, if you can provide, uh, if I can find shoes for this price range, I'll buy them. So, but it was a major challenge, you know, it was a major thing. So we go to the store, and sure enough, here's a for-sale thing, and Zach, she calls, hey, what size shoes are you? Zach, same shoe size for this girl, and she buys these beautiful shoes, and it's supernatural, and, and she comes home with it. She actually wraps it up. They've never received one present in their entire life, ever wrapped. They don't even know the concept. So Rocky has them wrapped up with a nice little bow, and makes it special, and takes her these shoes, and... She she looks at it and she she opens up, she pulls the shoes out. Thank you, thank you very much. And she goes to her room, she closes her her door. And Rocky's like, Well, I guess I guess she liked (laughs) him. So Rocky's room's right next to her her room. So she goes in her room and she hears the girl and she's she's wailing. She's crying, she's quivering, she's shaking. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God, for these shoes. And Rocky opens the door. She's on her knees and she's pouring over those shoes and she's thanking God for these shoes. This is a girl that three times I said, if you don't, if you don't straighten up, I'm kicking you out of this program. You can't treat us like this. You can't be mean. You can't act like this. And. Well, if you don't, she'd tell me, she'd get my face. If you don't like it, I'll leave. I'm like, honey, I'm paying the bills here. What's wrong with you? You know, (laughs) they're stealing from us. One of the kids takes in the park, pulls a big old knife out and steals a cell phone and jewelry from Somebody in the park and the next day wears it to school. Are you an idiot or what? Principal calls him in and says, Where'd you get that necklace? I bought it in the marketplace. No, you didn't. He calls me in and he says, You know, one of your boys is like at a big old knife, grabbed a guy in the park and I said, You know, you got to ski with my kids. So I said, <laughs> they're a Little rough. Yeah. <laughs> a little rough. But you see, these kids, they don't know any different. They don't know any different. And God knows that. And God, when he looks down at the world and the chaos and the sin and the riotous and the craziness, he knows that. But we've got to allow the spirit of love to captivate us. We've got to be captivated by God's love. We've got to be transformed by His love. We've got to literally take on the nature of Christ to where when we're doing good things and we're allowed, you know, next time you slap me, slap me on this side. I'm starting to swell on this side. Can you slap me on this side? We've got to have so much compassion and humility that we are allowing ourselves to be abused for God's Choke, chosen people. He wants to give us that power. It doesn't come. Trust me. It is not me. It's not this. It's the power of God. It's the Spirit of God that gives you love. That gives you forgiveness. That allows you, when you're abused, to oversee that and forgive. And, and I, know, I know people that were sexually abused and they lead the people. They lead the people to Jesus on their deathbeds. Our pastor, they tried to kill him, his neighbor tried to kill him because he wanted his wife and he wanted his wife and he tried to kill him three times with a knife and another brother was walking down the trail with him and they take his knife away and look, you can't, leave us alone. Give me my knife back. No. How much did it cost you? They paid him for the knife. And they went home and then he realized he couldn't kill my, my my friend Abel. He's like a pastor. They couldn't kill he couldn't kill Abel. So he goes and waits for him in the field, waits for his father. His old father in the field. And his old father's with his uh, you know cleaning the field, and he goes up behind him and he cuts his head off. And he goes to jail, and Abel comes over or I go see Abel and he sharpened his machete he said it's all this Christianity I'm, I can't do it I can't do this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. you know how stupid of me to allow this spirit of love and you're talking about and forgiveness and all that. How, how insane I was to just believe you and to trust you and, and, and get out of my house he sharpened his machete sharpen his machete I said don't do it man don't do it said, get out of here sharpen his machete <laughs> he went to kill him Like, you know, three days later. He went to kill him. And his kids were there. And his wife. And he goes, where's your husband? He goes, the police got him. What? He said he's in jail. It's like a two-hour-away jail, you know, in civilization. He's in jail? He's in in jail? Yeah, they caught They heard that he killed something. and they caught him. So he's mad. He's frustrated. I let like two weeks go by. And I said, Abel... Abel, you've got to get... This is an attack against you. At this point, this is an attack against you. This is to destroy your life and destroy your marriage, destroy your ministry, destroy everything that God has planned for you. You've got to conquer this. You've got to overcome this. What do you want me to do? I said, let's go visit him in jail. He almost hit me. He literally almost hit me. And I'd back away and then come back... You know, later on, back away. And, and finally he goes, okay, I'll, I'll go. But I'm not going to say anything. You talk. I said, okay. So we get to jail. We walk in. We talk to the jailer. Hey, is there so-and-so here? Yeah, he's in there. He's in jail. We got him in a, in a cell. I said, okay, I'm a, I'm a pastor from the village where he's from. And I said, we want to try to minister to him. He goes, okay, uh, follow me and he gets the keys and gets the gun. We walk down walk down this aisle, walk back there, we go to this one cell and I'm freaking out. I don't know what A- <laughs> Abel's going to reach through there and grab him by the throat. I don't know what he's going to do. But he's kind of like right here, right in my shadow, peripheral vision and I'm walking in front of him. We go all the way to the bars and the guy that killed his father falls to the to his knees holding the bars in his hand and he says... I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I did it. I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I did it. And Abel walks up and it's like a mantle of power fell on him right then. Not before. Not before. Right then, he reached through the cells, took him by the hands and 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 got him to stand up. And, the, and he looked into the eyes of the murderer and his tears were running down the murderer's face. He's saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Abel started crying. Tears were running down his face. And he said, this is exactly where the devil wants you. An assassin murder behind bars on death row. This is exactly what the devil has for you. But we have come that you might know that in spite of the fact that you're in these bars... You can turn your life over to God. You can receive forgiveness for your sins. And you can go to heaven. Abel ministered to him and led him to the Lord. Right in front of me. And after he accepted the Lord, prayed, and we were all leaving. The jailer was behind us. We were walking in front of him. Before we got out, when we got in a place down the corridor where it was alone, nobody could see him. The jailer grabbed us. And he said, wait a minute, stop, stop. He said, I've never in my life seen anything like that. He said, how can you forgive the man that killed your father? I didn't know you were the, the son of the man he killed. How can you allow the, that forgiveness? He says, it's not me. It's, it's, it's the Spirit of God in me that allows me to do that. And the jailer says, you know, I've always, people have always tried to, get, you know, to talk to me about God. But he said, today, I've seen it. He says, I want that. And he accepted Jesus. And our students down in Sacapa, Aldelia, that on the outside you would never think she would even have an emotion other than hatred. We peek through the door and she's on her knees and she's crying and she's she's just so thankful. That was three years ago. We were in Pinalito in church service and Aldelia walks up and she leads worship from the pulpit. She's leading worship in church. And she says a testimony that she feels called to minister. And she's she's given her life to God in ministry. We don't know. We don't know where we're going through space. We don't know where we're going to wind up in this universe. We don't know what our life will be will we'll harvest, the, the harvest of our life. We don't know what the destiny of those that we touch in our lives. All we can do is believe that God is love. And believe that there is an enemy, a real enemy, that is just as tenacious to, to, to steal, to rob those souls, the, the hearts of men, and take them into Eternal bondage and believe that God has put His Spirit in us to live and to share, to wrap our arms around. You know, I don't know what y'all see when y'all go down the road and there's a guy on the street corner that says, I'll work for food or hungry. But in my, to be honest, I'm going to be honest. Immediately I say, lazy bum. Get a job. I, I will get a pick and shovel out of my truck and never even think about it. I'll dig a ditch. I'll take out the garbage. I'll reach into sewer lines and unplug the sewer line. I don't care. Get a job. Work. That's in my head. in, In my heart. I'm critical. You know, it's all I can do. It's all I can do to try to move my car away from the guy try to get in line away from the guy or so far back I'm like looking at the light oh maybe the light will turn green before he gets to my car and I won't have to look at him and I'll check my email right quick I'm busy I'm busy you know I'm going somewhere but see we're not all like that (laughs) some of you here might be like that like me but maybe you aren't now, my daughter Chelsea, she's here today. She is now in the States going to college. First time in her life, she was homeschooled all the way through. So, first time she's sitting in classrooms and second year college, you know. Walks in, that's what a classroom looks like, huh? <laughs> wow. But anyway, so she's an American. It's a whole new deal for her. But she's fed natives and lived in villages, and, you know, she sutures people and. Washes their wounds, and we feed the children. So that's all she knows. So when she sees a guy in the corner, it's like, oh, let me get over in that lane when I get next to it. Find out what the problem is. <laughs> she rolls down the window. She goes, what's the matter? I'm homeless. You're you're home. Wow. Well, okay, so you want me to help you? If, if you could have anything you want in that 7-Eleven, what would it be? And, and me, if you ask me that question, I know what they want. The whiskey, the beer. The, you know, they want the beer. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Or cigarettes. You know, that's what I'm just, I already know. <laughs> Chelsea asks, what would you want? And this lady, this lady folds up her little sign and she goes, well. She goes, honey, you don't know how hard it is to be without a house. To have no place to wash your hands. She goes, If I could have anything I could out of that store right now, it would be the biggest bottle of fresh water that I could carry out. Fresh water. There's another lady here today that I'm driving. I'm the chauffeur. I'm driving her car down the road. And we're in the inside lane. And she goes, pull over, pull over. I said, what? What do you mean pull over? I'm in the inside lane. Pull over. There's a street person there. Pull over. I'm like... We'll see that the next light there'll be some, no, pull over. So I pull over. Oh, goody, goody. Oh, goody, goody. Great. She, She said, come help me for a minute. We get out of the car, open the back of the car. We're digging through the trunk. She pulls out a bag that she had gone to the grocery store. And she went shopping for the hopes of finding somebody on the street corner. And she bought Things that she would want, you know, wet wipes and bottle of water, bottle of water and a few things. And she gets that out of the back and I said, you went shopping for the street people that you're talking about bringing conviction. (laughs) I had conviction, (laughs) massive conviction. She goes, yeah, I went shopping. She said, this is this is the Lord. I said, all right. So then I'm then like, okay, I'm going to protect it. This is a big old guy over there. All right, let's go. She goes, no, 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 you're going to ruin it if you go over there. Let me go there by myself. And I'm like ducking behind the hedge. I said, all right, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Go ahead. Go in. And I'm like, you know. So she goes over there, and I'm, <laughs> I'm looking over the hedge, and he's talking to her. So I duck. You know, I don't want to ruin it for her. So I duck. A little bit later, I look over the hedge, and he's on his knees. He's on his knees praying with her. Now Chelsea, Chelsea, back to Chelsea. Chelsea, we leave in October. We go back to Guatemala. Chelsea goes to Lake Ioli. What's it called? Lake Ioli. And she starts, she says there's like an outdoor in the band show there, outdoor meeting that some Christian guys see. She sees the homeless. She goes, hey, come on over here. No, 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 I'm not coming over here. Come on. Why won't you come over Ah, I'm not going over there. So Chelsea says, well, hey. I'm coming back next week. How about if I bring you... What, what's your favorite type of food? Oh, I like Cuban food. What if I bring you a Cuban sandwich? Will you come? Will you go with me? Yeah, yeah. You bring me a sandwich and I'll go. So she makes a sandwich. And a few, few weeks later, in a few weeks later, three or four of the youth are now going with her from the church. She's going out there and, and they're like bringing food. They're stopping by and buying fried chicken and, they're bringing, and the homeless people are starting to come over. and They start opening up their life, how they lost their house, why they were in the streets. And they've all got stories, legitimate stories of that they fell off the wheel. And, you know, Chelsea's just now, now the mothers of the of the of the children that are going, they're saying, can, can I cook? Can I cook a big old plate of food that you kids can take down there? Sure, mom. So now they're calling Chelsea. Hey, I want to make food for next week. And, and a dad's calling, I'm on a barbecue. A lady calls. I want to make cookies for them. And this is a bunch of youth. And now the parents are getting involved. And according to the word on the streets, every homeless person in Orlando knows what time on Sunday to be at dinner in downtown Orlando. And they migrate towards downtown. See, there's opportunities here. I'm talking opportunities. We have got to be creative and ask God. Right? Right? All right, it's him in you, not you. So, thank you. Yeah. I'm gonna close. All right, we're gonna pray. I thought James, he said, he says time to go. I thought, uh oh. All right, let's pray. But I would love to pray. It's not about any one thing. It's whatever God lays on your heart to not do something, but be, be. Be for Him. That's life. Father, I just pray right now that You raise us all up out of ourselves, out of our own preoccupations, our own trials, the things that we live to just spin plates and spin balls and juggle and we're all running to and fro, to and fro. Father, help us have time to just get quiet and be still before You and ask You, Lord, we ask You, to give give us a hunger, give us a thirst to be used for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.